1: This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. Use code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk free bets up to $2,000. Good morning, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Monday. It is September 5th. Hopefully, you are enjoying the remaining hours of your long weekend. If you're coming to us from work, then also happy Monday to you as well. Unfortunately, Brendan, uh, we are greeting everyone on this Monday morning with a sweep at the hands Mm. of the St. Louis Cardinals and Sunday's game. Uh, though it was the last time that we should see him uh, playing out in a fashion that takes me back to my teenage years watching the Chicago Cubs.
0: I'm not even going to mention his name. I'm just glad that it's over. Of course, it ends in that fashion, but I'm not even going to mention it. We're we're, we're done with that, course.
1: Well, I don't think that Albert Pujols is on the no-name list like some people He's who not. have played second base for the Cubs. But what? I mean, come on. Pujols, then that. I thought that what are was you doing funny. here? Uh, you no, set no, me up I mean, for it. I took the opportunity.
0: I did, but I mean, geez, Cor- oh, no. Uh So
1: yes, the Cardinals winning on Sunday via an Albert Pujols home run. Uh that is the second game, Brendan, in just a couple weeks that the Cubs have lost uh the the big blow coming from yeah. Albert Pujols. So unfortunately in what is his last season and and to, on Sunday his last game against the Cubs for his career, um he, you know, had a, a couple last blows left in him, so I don't think uh, most of us, uh, if not all of us, will be sad to see him go. So, no, nope. uh, we have plenty to talk about from this series. Despite uh, three L's from Friday to Sunday, we've got some good on the player side. Marcus Stroman was fantastic on Sunday. He does not factor into the decision. Uh, we also have some Cubs that are struggling that we want to talk about a little bit. We did have another outing from Jeremiah Estrada. want to follow up with you, Brendan, after you and Brian went uh, so deep into what he was doing and the stuff that he was bringing, uh, not, not as electrifying of an outing over the weekend, so just want to kind of... Um, you know, put all of that into perspective. I think it's good after we gush over what a guy is doing to, you know, respond when uh, the second outing isn't exactly the same. So uh, that is uh, what we have. You know, generally, Brendan, it is, I I will say, a little disappointing because we were in that stretch where the Cubs had won, I think it was five series in a row, plus that game against the Orioles. So it was a really nice stretch. And now we have the opposite. So we, we talked about you know Nico mentioning how important it was to win and you know showcase this last stretch for the the next the team next year and Jed kind of talked about that too and unfortunately you know now we're in a little bit of a stretch here where the uh, series results and the overall results are not quite as fun as they were for that period
0: to be expected a little bit when you have Keegan go on the IL Justin on the IL the bullpen is new, new faces, Manny Rodriguez, Yolman's getting more of a look, Estrada's out there getting significant higher leverage moments, even though it's the middle of the game. So this was to be expected as part of the growing pains, but we still have three and a half weeks left and a lot of talent on this team that we need to see.
1: Yeah, that is true. Uh, so let's just get through this box score real quick, and then we can dive into some of the players that we wanted to talk about on Friday. It was an eight to nothing loss to the St. Louis Cardinals. The starter in this one was Adrian Sampson. Five innings, four hits, two runs, two walks, four strikeouts. So a better start from Sampson. He had a a couple bumps in the road there. Uh, You know, same story with him. It's it's another solid outing. Um, An inning short of a quality start. He does throw 101 pitches across those five innings, but he's got a sub four ERA on the season. And for a guy that has played a couple different roles for this team, been up and down and, you know, now getting these kind of uh, late season spot starts. He's, he's been a nice, uh, a nice piece for the Cubs here. Uh, You and Brian talked in that last episode about Javier Assad He goes an inning, two hits, one run, no walks, and two strikeouts coming in relief of Adrian Sampson in this one. And the Cubs uh, did not have any runs to describe. So that was it. Some key performances in this one, though. uh, Nick Madrigal and Seiya Suzuki both go two for four uh, with a strikeout each at the top of the order. They hit one two in this game and both go two for four. So that is uh, nice to see. Other than that, a forgetful on Friday evening. Saturday, it was an eight to four loss uh for the Cubs. Uh you know, Brendan generally starting the series where you give up eight runs in the first two games. Not, not, not a recipe for success. Not good. Yeah. No. So uh in this one it was Drew Smiley, two and a third, five hits, seven runs, three walks, three strikeouts. Finally, Brendan, he gives us a start where teams that didn't trade for him at the deadline can go, ooh.
0: Well, it's kind Dodged of your fault. <laughs> You were all over Smiley last episode, and he follows up looking like that course. I've been so you're over. I've been. I've
1: been talking positively about him for a long time, yeah. but yeah. Uh, he had been quite, quite good since coming back. I think just before the trade deadline, and this is that one start where it's like, oh, okay, you know, we didn't uh, pass up on trading for <laughs> the best starter post deadline or something. Right. Um, still a three point eight four ERA on the season for Drew Smiley. So this uh, this one clunker here, not going to bring him down. Follow. Following him was the aforementioned Jeremiah Estrada going two-thirds of an inning in this one. One hit, one run, one walk, and no strikeout. So not a disaster, but do just want to talk about some of that stuff, the the fastball velocity, uh, the walk, just again, to get your perspective. Uh, The Cubs getting their four runs in this game on a Franmil Reyes single in the first and a Rafael Ortega single that made it three to nothing. So the Cubs had a nice three-run lead that they uh, blew uh, by the third inning and it was eight to four by the time, or excuse me, eight to three by the time we left the third inning. Uh, And then Franmil Reyes added the Cubs fourth run in the fifth. So a nice game for Reyes here. Seiya Suzuki uh, also following his two for four game on Friday with a two for four outing on Saturday. Ian Happ two for three in this game, Franmil two for four with two RBIs in this game, and Rafael Ortega two for three with two RBIs in this game. Those, uh, some of the Numbers of note. And then Sunday, we got a late start in this one due to some rain in St. Louis uh, and not a lot of action outside of Marcus Stroman and Miles Mikolas until the eighth inning when it was Brandon Hughes in relief of Marcus Stroman. They decided to pitch to Albert Pujols with a runner on base, yada, yada, yada. The Cardinals won two to nothing. So uh, that is number 695 for Albert Pujols. And I believe I read that he has the second most home runs of his career against the Chicago Cubs. Do you know who he has his most career home runs against, Brendan? Milwaukee, Cincinnati. Houston. Houston? I was actually kind of surprised by that.
0: Well, that makes sense. Former NL Central team, goes to the uh, AL West, so the most times he's faced them.
1: Right. Makes sense. Yes. I. I. Yeah. I guess that's not as surprising as I would have thought. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And they. I don't think they. In the in that tally, they don't count that one off of Brad Lidge that went to the moon. So. No. They don't. Um. It was two to nothing. Marcus Stroman was really good in this game, though. Seven innings, four hits, no runs, no walks, and five strikeouts. A three point three seven ERA for Marcus Stroman on the season. That was ninety eight pitches uh, for Marcus. Well, good. Yes, and we will uh we, we can jump right into him. There wasn't too much to discuss on the offensive side, just following up. Say did have an Ofer on Sunday, but overall a very nice weekend with those uh two games of two for four. Franmil Reyes won for two with a walk in this game, so he had a nice weekend for himself, uh, and that was it. The Cubs only had two hits, so the other hit coming off of the bat of Christopher Morrell, uh, which was a much-needed one, and we will uh, touch mm. on that a little more in a bit. But let's start with Marcus Stroman, Brendan. Uh, a really solid seven innings today and you know the the type of game that in in the context of this season it you know we haven't had too many of these games those those kind of big games but this this was in a vacuum what you sign a guy like Marcus Stroman to do right you're on the road you're at risk of getting swept by a division rival again the the con the meaning to the cubs is not really there at this point but that scenario is generally what you turn to someone like marcus stroman to say hey the buck stops here right we we've been losing we don't want to get swept by the cardinals go out there and and toss us a game that prevents us from getting swept yeah he kept up his end of the bargain uh but the offense couldn't score Overall on the season, he has an identical 3.37 ERA and FIP, which is I, I always like when it's you know symmetrical uh, like that. And you know again, like he's had some clunkers in there, Brendan, but overall his numbers very much in line with his career numbers. His career ERA is 3.66, a 3.64 FIP, and he is right there. On those numbers, as I just read, yes, um, you know, you get into some of the other peripherals and stuff. He's he's looking like he has at his career. Some of them are his career best numbers, so he has been really good, and he was really good again on Sunday.
0: He was. He's changed a few things in his repertoire since around July. It's actually mentioned on the broadcast today, but if you've been watching start to start, you can kind of see the obvious change, and that's to a sinker. So when the season started, one of the areas they, they wanted to tweak with Stroman was flipping the sinker of four-seam usage and having his secondary stuff play off of his four-seam. Marcus was saying, well, I didn't have the feel for my secondary pitches leading with the four-seam, so he's essentially flipped it, and he's throwing sinkers about two times for every five pitches. He was doing that much less from April through most of June and a little bit of July, where he's throwing basically leading with the four seam. So since then, you kind of see the numbers normalize. There's been a few, I guess, clunkers, of course, but he's had several starts now where he's going deeper in the games. And his repertoire is mirroring that what we saw from last year. And if you just look at the location in which he throws his pitches, every single pitch type, sinker, cutter, splitter, uh, fore seam it's a mirror image from last year. So you can definitely tell since changing that sinker, his command, his ability to locate where he wants to hit the edges has looked very similar from years past. So it's, it sounds as if it's more of a psychological thing, perhaps. It, it, it might be a mechanical thing where if you're doing something different with your fore seam it's altering your secondary mechanics somehow, your comfort level, whatever it is. But you see the effects and you're seeing him be comfortable. And I do commend the Cubs for trying to change something to unlock something that they thought was potentially useful. But this is what happens. You go into the pitch lab, you see something on the computer screen, you see something on the slower soto cameras, and you try something. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work, but it's about that process. It's about trying to get the most out of a, a particular pitcher and trying to get the most out of every single one of these pitchers. Pitch types, but sometimes comfort levels and sequencing and those in-game environments are hard to emulate. And for Strowman, that ended up being the case where he wanted to go back to his comfort zone, and that's what he's been doing with that stinker.
1: Yeah, and I I mean... I feel really confident. I think we we talk about every we've always we always have yes been, though.
0: it's never it's never changed yes
1: I and what I was getting at is towards next year As we're looking towards next yeah. year we have you know we know that the Cubs need to add to this rotation but I think s- seeing what Stroman has been able to do when he has been healthy when he has been you know had a, a start or two coming back from COVID or you know whatever injury had kept him out for a little bit he is exactly the guy, I think, that the Cubs signed as advertised. And as we head yeah. into next year, I don't know where he's going to slot in the Cubs rotation. You know, whether it's at number one, number two, number three, that depends on how aggressively the Cubs pursue starting pitching. But I feel very confident that they are going to get a very good season out of Marcus Stroman, based on what he we have seen from him in 2022?
0: I, I think so. He's always been a lock in my mind. The only concern I have, in that I had earlier in the year, was his health, especially with that shoulder injury. When that was announced, I'm like, oh no, like this, this could be bad. Whenever you hear about shoulders and pitchers, my mind freaks out, because you think of scenarios like we saw with Kyle this year. But Even coming back from that, the velo has been good. The pitch type has been, and the sequencing has been exactly what you expect. He's a guy you can slot him in the top tier of the rotation. But I fully expect in next year's rotation, Strowman will be a thirty guy. You lock it in. Thirty star guy. You lock it in. And you don't think twice about it. And that is such a luxury to have in this rotation full of kind of like what ifs right now, especially with maybe Steele and Keegan going through those late season bumps in the road where perhaps fatigue and stamina are playing a key factor. You want someone like Strowman where you know for sure this is a guy you can
1: lock in. Absolutely. And this was also, I think, a very kind of signature... Game plan, you know, roadmap to a Marcus Stroman start, right? He got eight ground outs, mm. three flyouts, five strikeouts, doesn't walk anybody, just scatters four I hits mean, across seven innings. That, when you're looking. Good defense,
0: too, on the mound.
1: Yes. Well, we know he's an incredible athlete. Yes. Uh, One of the best, know, just, if not the best. Just like you, Brennan.
0: Yeah, just like me. Thank yes. you, Corey. I appreciate it.
1: Um, reflexes like a cat. But, you know, this, <laughs> yeah. is, this is like a, I, I don't want to say vintage because he's only been here for a year, but in terms of his career and just like what a really, really solid kind of standard Marcus Stroman start looks like, this is kind of it, right? He, he gets the other team to beat the ball into the ground. The defense converts those into outs, doesn't walk guys, strikes out a few batters here and there. And overall, you know, again, like he did his part on Sunday to try to help this team avoid getting swept. Unfortunately, it, uh, yeah. Does not does not play out that way. But this was a really good start uh, from Marcus Stroman. And, you know, Brendan, again, like, you look at the underlying numbers and they're all just good, right? E- ERA and FIP equal. His expected FIP, 3.52. Like, you just go and look at some of his seasons with the Mets or the Blue Jays. Like, this is right in there with some of the best work that he has done in seasons where he's pitched this many innings.
0: Okay, quick break here from our sponsor, PointsBet. PointsBet Sportsbook is counting down the days until the football season, with a new offer every day until the season kicks off. From now until September 8th, PointsBet Power Hour will unlock a new daily offer from 12 to 1 p.m. Central. Sign up for PointsBet now using code CHGO to also get risk-free bets up to $2,000. Don't miss out on your chance to get daily access to free bets, boosted odds, and so much more now through September 8th. But that's not it. If you make a 51 dollar, or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. Download the PointsBet app today and use code CHGO to take advantage of this limited-time offer. Don't just bet, live your bet live with PointsBet. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants to help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. Our next partner has a product I've been using literally every day. I started taking AG1 a few months ago because I wanted to start my day with complete nutrition. I wanted something fast because I'm not a big breakfast guy. I've been on this for about a month. I do love it. It, This AG1 does not taste super healthy. It has a mild tropical taste. I actually look forward to it each and every morning. What is this stuff? It's just one scoop of AG1 and you're absorbing. 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, all of these things, recording podcasts late at night, recording podcasts after the Cubs get swept by the Cardinals. I get a noticeable boost of energy no matter what. So I take it first thing in the morning on an empty stomach. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, gluten-free, or dairy-free, you're all good to go with AG1. Just know you're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance for three dollars or less a day. It's recommended by professional athletes and has more than 7,000 five-star reviews. So right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, easy Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash chgeocubs. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash Cubs to take ownership
1: over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, Brendan, let's get into some slumping cups. No. Not exactly everybody's favorite subject matter, Aye. but for some of these guys, I—so, you know, we've we've paid a good bit of attention to guys like Seiya Suzuki and his ups and downs. He had a nice weekend, as we talked about. We've looked at Ian Happ a lot and a lot of the great work that he's done throughout this season— Um, You know, he had an up-and-down weekend in this one, a couple 0-for-3s, but a nice 2-for-3 on Saturday. We kind of know where those guys are at heading into September and especially for next year. One guy who I feel like we have not talked about in a while is Christopher Morrell and things for Christopher, Brendan, lately have not been going very well, as much as it pains me to say that. Now, on the season overall, his numbers, especially for a 23-year-old rookie, which I'm I'm going to say here because it's very important in this conversation. We are merely looking at a stretch that has not been so great for Christopher, but his overall season has been quite good, and it's always a good time to remind you that he's 23 years old, and this is his first go at Major League Baseball. So that is a very important preface when we're just talking about a late season slump that he's in. Uh, Still a 109 WRC plus on the season, 326 weighted on base average, 309 OBP, 442 slug. But the last 30 games or so, that is the uh, sample that MLB.com defaults to. So that's what we're going to go with. Uh, Those last 30 games have not been very good, Brendan. Uh, A 157 batting average, a 185 on base percentage, a 315 slugging percentage. Those 30 games comprise 89 at-bats, just 14 hits in that span, four home runs, three walks, and 33 strikeouts. So none of that is great. Right, Brendan? No. Um, So I will turn it to you. Uh, He did have a hit in the game on Sunday, went one for three in that game. And again, overall, you know, 246 average, 751 OPS. He's playing all over the field. The Cubs clearly, you know, moving him around, taking opportunities to play him, taking opportunities to get him uh, defensive reps at other positions. But what is driving this slump from your perspective, if you're looking at Christopher Morrell, and how do you feel about it uh, with about, you know, a month left in the season? And if you kind of stopped things right now and just looked at the overall picture, I think you would be pretty pleased for how your 23-year-old rookie, who probably wasn't necessarily in the plans to stick all this time when he first came up, like, I I think it's been pretty good, but this slump is not. It's not good.
0: I... This is going to be a fascinating offseason for a variety of different reasons from the pitching to the positional side but also because you have this group of young guys some of whom have succeeded at an unexpected level including Christopher Morell who leads that pack. So the question becomes what do you do with this? What do you do with this sample? What do you do with this success that he's had and do you want to take a risk in assuming that this is going to continue and give Morell 450-plus plate appearances for next season. That's going to be the weird, perhaps uncomfortable discussion that we'll have throughout the offseason. And where I land on that now, I don't have a good feel for it. We still need to see how September goes. Uh, In this current moment, it's not surprising, I think. We, we knew with Christopher, the athleticism jumps off right away. And we knew that he hits the ball extremely hard. He's a fast guy, super fast twitch. He kind of fits that hobby esque unicorn type player where there's not many like him. For Christopher, he's adapted so well, and that's not going to really show up in like a reliable sample. Because by definition, adapting so well means you had a previous stretch that was also extreme. So it's hard to project players like that as a result. Now, recently he's gone through some some stretches here where he's being overmatched, and you can look across the board about all these different pitch types kind of beating him, and the biggest pitch type that's beating him right now is a fastball. So over the last what is this, almost 100 plate appearances, his run value against fastballs is the worst among all other pitch types compared to sliders, curves, changeups, all of that. So he's being beat by hard stuff. He's also being beat by breaking stuff. He's being beat by all pitches, but it appears as if the most damaging pitch type against him has been four seamers. And so as a result right now, he has the worst whiff rate in the league and I think that is I think that is concerning. I think that should be concerning. Now, does this mean it's going to last in the future? No, because as we've talked about, he's adapted and he's gone through stretches where especially compared to last season, the discipline, the chase rate has been such a marked improvement. So this to me suggests he still has adjustments to go. And if he's able to hit and make contact around let's say 68 to 70% of the time, with that power, you assume he can be a Chris Taylor-esque player. Just right now, you can't be making contact around sixty percent of the time, which is what he's doing. Which is what Patrick Wisdom did last season, and which is what Patrick Wisdom approved upon, where he had stable success this season. One other note that I want to get your opinion on this too, Corey. Uh, with Morel, what I really like, what I really want to see dialing in is his spray chart. If I like, I've been watching this throughout the year and I didn't really think much of it. He's a young guy, but the majority of his doubles are down the left field line. Like All but three of his doubles are to the right shoulder of the third baseman, either in the air as a line drive or just past the third baseman on a grounder. And he has multiple doubles. He has, I think, a little over, what is this, 15 doubles almost. And again, most of those just completely down the line. And this reminds me of what we saw Chris Bryant during his rookie year, where Brian also is pulling the ball like crazy down the left field line. But ideally, you want to see morell drive those balls in the gap, going from the left field gap, the right field gap. I think he has it in him. He has home runs into those gaps. It's just a matter of being consistent with that. So how do you get someone to do that? I have no idea. Uh, how do you get someone to make more contact? I also have no idea. But one other small tidbit I don't see that two-strike approach being implemented that we saw from earlier on, where he's not taking much of like a stride, the the, the depth in his batting stance is much lower during two-strikes. I'm not really seeing that conscious B-hack that we saw earlier in the year. And maybe this is similar to what we've had discussed with Seiya, where you go through his peaks and valleys, and Morel perhaps maybe even more so because he is younger, but this is still an adjustment growing process. I do think you have to weigh the development of someone like him versus supplementing your team in a competitive season like next year. That will be a difficult task to maneuver.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, of course we still have about a month left. So there's a plenty big sample, you know, we're talking about a 30 game sample. Um, you know, and you still will have a a pretty sizable one in similar size over this, uh, you know, final stretch of the season here. Um, I I think right now I would be looking at him as a sort of versatile utility uh, type guy, right? Um, Where I don't know that if I'm Jed, when I'm looking at this offseason, I'm going to pursue the targets that I want. Okay. Right? We've talked about Nico Horner in this context. We've talked about Nick Madrigal in this context. We even talked about Fran Reyes in the context of, of the DH, right? If I'm Jed, if there's players I want that are available, I'm going to go get them. And I'm gonna maneuver everything after that, right? I I don't think that so any of those. You don't think Morel is like 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 stopping any move at all? Yeah, no. Okay. I, if they if they like Morel at third, you know, we've seen him play there um, a, a good bit in in you know the this sort of recent stretch here. Um, played is, there on Friday. Is, played there on. Isn't on that Sunday. an
0: indictment though? Like some fans will perceive what you're saying as well. You don't trust him then, right?
1: No. No, I think I think he's 23 years old and this is his rookie season yeah. and I think that you know, you have to allow for a lot of the stuff that you're talking about, right? You know, it's the same as when we talk about, say, a Suzuki, right? There's ebbs and flows. And it seems recently that, say, has made some adjustments and, and found a way to sort of settle in to more of what we expected to see from him, which is why you have a weekend where he has multiple games with multiple hits. Um, Morrell has had stretches where he has been electrifying, right? I mean, there's been periods of the season where he had, what, a 130-something WRC+, plus, right? Mm-hmm. So... I think you have to allow this for a rookie, but I think expecting—I don't see that as an indictment. I think getting to a place at the end of a 23-year-old rookie season where you're like, oh, yeah, he's our starting third baseman, I think that would be uh, insane, right? That would be amazing, (laughs) right? Like, it, it happened with someone like Chris Bryant, but that was a completely different situation. And just, you know, the, the pedigree and the trajectory and all of that, like, that's not where Morell was at. I think the fact that we, I feel confident at this moment that he has shown us enough that he is a part of next year's roster, right? And I think getting fairly significant playing time, you know, be that... I don't know, 400 plate appearances scattered across different positions, or if they feel like he, you know, really leans into one position, that's fine too. Um, But I think it would be, am am I wrong about that? I feel like that would be wild to have gotten to a point by the end of September where you're like, if you're Jed Hoyer, you're thinking, you know what? I was going to go out and get a third baseman, but forget it, right? (laughs) This, this, you know, he'll be 24 in May. Uh, or excuse me, in June of next year, like this guy lock it in. Like I, I think that's. I don't think it's an indictment to say that we we didn't get there. Uh, and you know, look, if he has a hot and you know a hot September, like finishes with like a one twenty something WRC plus, like maybe you do feel comfortable doing that. But I, I think it, it's all just to say like adjustments. Uh, ebbs and flows, and, you know, stretches like this where the K rate is higher, you know, some of those things that you don't want to see are kind of spiking. I, it's to be expected, right? I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I don't think it necessarily has to raise alarm bells as long as it's something that they're aware of and that they are, you know, trying to course correct. But I think this is all par for the course and the overall product that we've seen from Morell in his rookie season has been very, very good and quite encouraging for the future
0: very very encouraging i don't think anyone expected Morel to put up these numbers at all as you said earlier on he has a a 109 wrc plus in the bulk sample if you apply exactly what he's done this season to next year i will be thrilled just repeating what he's done i will be thrilled the question is can't can he do that and right now you look at some of the early projections they like steamer uh Uh, or zips or whatever, I imagine they're probably going to put him around a 90 to 95 WRC plus for next season. And this this is because of that K rate. This is because he has a propensity to strike out. So for me, in the next four weeks, I would like to see that whiff rate go down. I don't expect it. I, I expect this to be a continuation into next season. And in my mind, it's how do you give morale at-bats while also, hopefully, trying to win the division? Because we've seen, we've seen that be difficult in years past. And this is me assuming we're actually going to go out there and get guys for next season. But assuming that does happen, we've seen development of guys in the past kind of kind of stall a little bit. Even Ian Happ is a great example. Even Schwarber is a great example. I I hope that doesn't happen to Morrell because I think he needs a consistent playing time. I think he needs to get these consistent at-bats to get beyond some of these adjustments. And also too, to your to your point, like would I expect him to be the starting third baseman I, I honestly think there are some fans that that wanted this. I mean, of course they wanted this to happen. I think there are some fans that may have thought earlier on this could happen. And I, and that's kind of like a greedy, very optimistic sense, but you see other teams across the league who get these guys kind of surprise you and become stable players. And I I do imagine there's a, a sect of fans that thought maybe this would happen to the Cubs. Maybe some, some guy kind of breaks out makes an adjustment and becomes a staple in this lineup.
1: Well, I, And I think it still can. I think it's your point uh, toward the end there that is the, the question, right? If you're making a ton of very aggressive moves next offseason to be competitive, uh, you know, or beyond that, right, in the NL Central and beyond— you know, then you're going to have to ask yourself these these questions, right? Can we allow him to develop in the way that he needs to while also bringing in all these guys, ensuring that they're getting playing time at the positions that you're assigning them to play and probably paying them a lot of money or trading a lot to get them, whatever it ends up being, and how confident are you in that? If they're aiming for less than that, then you'd certainly have the, the window to do that, and maybe that is what happens, right? Yeah. Um I feel very confident in Christopher Morell, if I'm being honest with you. Um, I know he's got some adjustments to make here.
0: And defensively
1: I, you know. too. Not to cut you off there, but sure.
0: he has there, there are some throwing inaccuracies, although the arm strength is off the charts, but you kind of see that longer arm action at third base. You do see the quick first step, which is great, but there are also, there are some defensive adjustments he has to make as well.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. But I, in terms of if if the Cubs are going into next year, attempting to be uh, whatever, I the, the part of the annoying part about like what? the way that the like Cubs front office and like ownership has handled this is I don't know how to like talk about what they're gonna do. <laughs> you know, they 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 don't want us using some words. They use the word competitive this offseason that didn't happen. So like, what does that mean? It gets very confusing to just like talk about what they're going mean, to they do had, they like, have they have to spend money Corey. It, the, my my the point i was getting at okay. is that i feel confident that if this team is in a position to actually meaningfully compete for a playoff spot be that a wild card spot in this expanded playoff era or in what is you know not usually a great nl central right i feel confident that morel can make the adjustments necessary to be a piece for that team, right? Right now on the season, he's at 350 plate appearances. I think something in that range, maybe closer to 400, maybe more than that if things go really well, right? I think he can do that, and I think that he can be a really nice and valuable piece for a more competitive version of the Chicago Cubs. And I think the stuff you're pointing out Absolutely fair, right? And you know, when you see a slump like this that's you know 30 plus games, it's worth digging into. Uh, but I, I, I again want to reiterate though, like he's come up and he's 23, I right? Like that's when these adjustments kind of should be happening. He made a pretty big jump, right? You know, yeah. I, he was in AA for 100 games in 2021, a little bit of you know time in AAA in 2021 too, and then started this year in AA for 28 games. But besides that, you know those were big jumps. 2019, yeah. this guy was in A ball, I know. right? Well, so that's he's 23 what, years well, old. That's
0: what gives me hope is because he made that jump and he still yeah, has. I,
1: I, I didn't mean that to, yeah. to cut you off real quick. I didn't mean that to suggest that you don't think that i'm just reiterating like yeah i think Mm. like guys that are his age making these big jumps they're gonna have some pretty like kind of daunting adjustments to make and that's kind of what he's staring at
0: for sure before this ad break here the like when he was coming up and having success earlier in the season his chase rate was so encouraging around like 20 to 22 percent and then his contact rate was in a high 60 percentage. Uh, it was around 70 for a little bit of time. So I'm thinking as that's happening, oh my God, he just made these drastic changes where maybe he's going to be this ultra type. Not ultra, but above average, a uh, disciplined hitter, and he still is showcasing that. Like his chase rate is still in the 57th percentile. That's still great, but it's just not quite what we saw earlier on, and that's that's to be expected. But it's that period when he jumped from Double to the major leagues, and he had that chase rate jumping off the charts, and the contact looking as if it was change, and you saw the mechanics go with that. That's where I'm dialed in because that jump was massive. So what's the next jump from here to next season to two seasons? Could it be possible? Well, I think it could be based on what he's doing, but it's a matter of could and if versus what's to be expected. And what's to be expected, most guys can't do this. Most guys can't do this that fast. And so if you want to have a competitive team, you have to weigh the likelihood of him being that extreme guy who breaks those types of instances, those age curves. And maybe he can do that. It will be it will be a difficult conversation to have. But he is he is a unique player. And if this ends up being the case where he makes those adjustments and he's starting most of the games next year, then I will not be surprised. All right. So another break here from a new sponsor Pins and Aces. Pins and Aces is the official golf apparel partner of CHGO. We love our Pins and Aces gear and get tons of compliments on and off the course. They are a family-owned golf and apparel business. They make amazing polos, hats, golf bags, and even your favorite beer sleeve, an innovative product that allows you to store seven beers right inside your golf bag and keep drinks cold the entire round. Check out pinsandaces.com and these code chgo to receive 15 percent off your first order and get free shipping that's
1: pinsandaces.com. all right brendan so don't don't quit the show i know i might hear I bring this up i know okay yeah. don't quit on i me. might i might uh but if we're also looking at 30 game samples it's worse if i shorten the sample but it's do still not good in 30 games uh, 106 at bats a 245 average a 304 on base and a 349 slugging which by my quick math Brendan, uh... is a 653 ops which is not good Ah, uh, that's, I'm gonna, I feel like I should whisper it, but uh, that is no, Nico Horner's it last is, 30 games. It is Nico, cool. Um, And so I I do, you know, as I preface with Christopher Morrell, I, I do want to preface here in that part of looking at stretches like this when players have this, especially the way that, you know, Brendan and I do these episodes uh, after, you know, three or four games in a particular series is just to keep, a, a check on everything, right? Morel, Nico. When it was say happening with Seiya, at times it'll happen with other guys. It doesn't mean anybody's panicking or concerned or making a big deal of it. But that's the nature of following a six-month baseball season that lasts 162 games, right? You dig into these samples, you check in on what's going on, and it's just a a good marker to have a discussion, right? Of course. So, it, and, you know, also it's it's only sort of doing like, our due diligence, yeah. right? If we're going to come on here and talk about, oh my God, you know, Brendan is going to, you know, quit every job that he has and go follow Nico Horner across the country. i thought about it. It feels a little disingenuous if we don't pop in and say, hey, he's in a bit of a slump, right? Um, overall, 281, 327. 396 is the slash line. Still an above-average hitter at 102 wRC+. Plus. He's got the eight home runs. One of the best defensive players in baseball. He's on pace for a four to four and a half ish win season. Yep. Incredible, right? Yeah. An incredible season. But this stretch has not been good. So I will put it to you. Uh, the I, I mean, what are you, the, the foremost Nico Horner expert in the in the country? Yeah. I don't know, yeah, but I think so. Um, What's, what's going, going on? on? Yeah. Yeah, what's so, going on? So
0: he's been the, cons- the most consistent player on the team the entire year. If you look at his splits by a monthly basis in his WRC Plus and, and Woba, in April, Woba, 309. May, 309. June went off, 366. July, 315. August, 311. Uh, This month, it's flat out zero. Like, he has, like, no no base hits. Uh, So that's the extreme. But he's been consistent well before this this slump here. So the question is what is going on? And is this something to be concerned about? So what's going on is he's becoming in this shorter sample hyper aggressive. His chase rate has gone from around thirty one percent upwards to almost fifty percent. Why is that happening? I'm not sure. I don't know if he got a little bit of a an itch with the power increase recently. I don't know if the scouting report change. I don't even know if it's random. I don't know if there's some type of mechanical thing going on. I have no idea. With hitting, it's really difficult to figure out what's going on because you don't, you're not, you're not privy to these like underlying metrics that we have for pitching in the public sphere at this point. Maybe in three, four years, maybe even sooner, we'll be able to figure that out. But right now, like we have no idea. So I, I don't know what's going on with Nico. All I know is we see the outcomes, and the outcome is he's just swinging at worst pitches. That's kind of what it is. And he's not barreling up on pitches he was barreling up on before. He has no barrels in that stretch as well. So the question then goes, as I said earlier, will this continue? This is also perhaps part of the process, right? Uh, we talked about it with the younger guys in the past. We can t- extend it to Nico. Nico is still one of those guys going through his first full season. The overall numbers are still superb. As you just pointed out, he could very well finish the season with four and a half four. The discussions about him and a contract extension, unfortunately, it has aligned almost perfectly with this slump. So it does make for kind of an awkward discussion. But this type of hitting profile sometimes is susceptible to these stretches where you, you don't really rely so much on getting extra base hits. You rely on getting base hits. And you rely on that versus maybe walking a lot. And Nico's profile right now is centered on getting a lot of base hits. Fortunately, he's good at doing that. In the discussion of a contract extension is not one of like, you know, 150 million. It's one of, An average hitter who plays quality defense across multiple positions. And Nico still projects as that. And we still need to see Nico go through this month of September. If there's an extreme, like where he's just not hitting for the next four weeks, then of course the discussion is going to change. And of course, Jed is not going to be asked about extensions for Nico, but also he'll be asked, what is going on? Nico, that's the worst case scenario, but for me right now, when I watch his at bats, which I'm dialed in, of course, on every single pitch, it does appear that he's hyper aggressive. And you did hear JD in the broadcast over the weekend talk about him trying to swing at pitches earlier in the count, it's part of the process. He did have a few hard hit balls that were hit on the ground, scooped up uh, some almost borderline double plays because he hit those balls hard. I'm not concerned. Of course, I want to see success and it's kind of annoying to have this happen right now, but I'm not concerned, Corey.
1: Yeah. And I, I think, you know, obviously you, you made good points. I'll defer to, uh, you on all things, Nico, I've, I've seen Brendan's apartment and there's a film room and the the only film is Nico. I know it's weird, right? Yeah. It is weird. Some would say it was weird. I, I would say it was weird if I hadn't had one for, you know, five years dedicated I to John Lester. I was going to say, so, yeah. I yeah. mean,
0: don't call me weird when you have that.
1: Listen, we, uh, you, know, you have to have a film room. <laughs> if you're going to be an expert in a player, you have to, you break, have to. You have to break down you film. You have to. For you, it's memes, but yeah. Right. Uh, well, yeah, now that John's uh, gone, I've moved on to just joke tweets, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um but I think you know something again to to remember about Nico Nico's of course not a rookie but this is his first full season you know getting towards a a full body of work you know he's not going to play 162 games but he's gonna play a lot of games previously 2019 through 2021 20 games 48 games 44 games so stuff like this is gonna happen I think you're you're dead on you know talking about a guy with his profile right? Especially in stretches like this, some guys that have more power, things like that, they can buoy those numbers a little bit, right? By just running into a couple extra base hits or, you know, slugging a little bit can kind of keep those numbers afloat a little better than uh, someone with Nico's profile. But, you know, also important to remember, like, he's also still making adjustments, right? He's had, he has eight home runs. His previous career high was three in 2019. Massive adjustment. Yeah, and so to be able to do that, to be able to kind of broaden your offensive game, even if he's not becoming a completely different hitter, right? It's still very contact-heavy. You still expect him to be in high, a high-average hitter. He is still... At that point in his career, he's 25. He's still transforming, right, into the player that he wants to be, the player that the Cubs want him to be, et cetera. And this is that first full year getting this many reps of trying to do all that. So a stretch, you know, where the numbers aren't really there, to be expected, right? To be expected. Uh, And he has
0: he has that higher uh, floor because of that defense. That's where the value comes into play. And that's where I think some of the you know extension talk that we're seeing is being lifted up a little bit more because unlike someone we just talked about with Morel, who's going through defensive adjustments and having to go through different, perhaps throwing changes, mechanical changes, Nico is already a gold glove shortstop. He may win the gold glove, Corey, at shortstop this season.
1: Right. Yeah, and I mean, you know, even like thinking of these two guys that we've talked about, just because they're in these stretches that you know kind of uh, warrant at least just asking, hey, what's going on? What can they change? What's driving this? You know, I think the fact that we're in a position with these guys where they're they're still, you know, Nico is is hovering, I guess, after a not great weekend, but you know, they're above league average they hitters. Are right? Him and Morrell. Like, we could easily be in scenarios when, like, a lot of times, and this happens to the Cubs too, like, you call guys up or you expect things of players, like, they tank, right? That's not what we're talking about. Like, this is a completely different conversation if, like, Christopher Morrell's down to, like, a 75 WRC plus, right? Like, that's not what's happening. What we're debating right now, at least at this point, is, like, how good can these guys be (laughs) and how good can the finishes to their seasons be? That's That's a good problem and when you're like looking at a random 30 game sample like it's okay as long as they're able to identify the things and kind of work their way out of them but like I said it's just you know we 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 do like to touch on those things even if the ultimate conclusion is to say hey not a big deal don't worry about it here's what's happening it just you know don't want to do a disservice to when we do gush over these players if we just ignore uh you know I, the 30 games, I, I would use the word prolonged stretch, right? Is that fair? Yeah. yeah. Of, you know, struggles, slumps, us, yeah. whatever it is. They happen, right? But that's what Brendan is here to do and try to diagnose them, right? Sometimes. Uh, and we'll get out of them. So I, I do want to ask you um, about Jeremiah Estrada's outing on Saturday. Uh, Obviously, you know, you and Brian were freaking out, as was the rest of Cubs Twitter, about Estrada's first outing. Uh, What did you see in in his second outing? Uh, He does give up the run, a hit, and a walk, no strikeouts, just two-thirds of an inning, and it was 16 pitches. So, you know, again, we don't have the largest of samples to work with in terms of all of his data, but what did you see from one outing to the next?
0: Yeah, the velocity was down. That's the biggest change. He was throwing 98 miles per hour in that debut, and then he was down to 95-96 against the Cardinals. So we've seen the velocity fluctuate recently. He has been sitting higher recently, but the majority of his outings are going to be towards that 95-96 range. That was what was happening. But the first outing his debut when you saw the numbers come back the next day, grading as an 80 out of 80. Enoeras, you know, laughing at how crazy his numbers are. The feature that defines those types of reactions, the biggest one is that induced vertical break. And fortunately, that remained in his outing. The velocity was down, granted. The spin rate was down by about or 100, 150 RPMs, granted. That's, that's not that crazy of a difference, by the way, but it's still, you know, it's a difference. The ability for him to use that pitch and the rising action is significant. And in fact, I also thought the slider looked decent. I, also th- I, th- I thought the command needs to be improved, but I thought some of the sliders he spent against the Cardinals were, were better. It's part of the process. It's so early on, and it's not like when we're talking about Estrada, we're not talking about Estrada as the immediate Cubs closer. That's not the discussion. We're talking about Estrada as the first guy to come up through the system to break these pitch creators, to draw reactions from the very people who use and have developed and created these pitch creators are laughing at what he's doing to their system. That is significant. And he's still showcasing why those creators are reacting as such. So I I mean, you can be disappointed, I guess, if you want, but it's like a second outing and he has a lot more growing to go. If you assume as a fan that this is just how it's going to be, he's going to be this like lockdown guy here on out, look out, you know, the pitch lab and hot here we go. That's not, that's not, that's not reality. Like these guys have to go through these periods.
1: I want all of the Cubs to be great immediately. <laughs> yeah. Brendan. Right that away. Is, that is what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, I want instant gratification. Um, last thing before we preview this upcoming series with the Reds, uh, just, you know, worth keeping track of, Brendan. I It seems as though the Cubs aren't going to do anything about it, at least for the rest of this season. Uh, but on Sunday... First baseman Matt Mervis for the Iowa Cubs joined Alexander Canario as the first Cubs minor leaguers with 30 home runs in a season since Chris Bryant in 2014. That coming again uh, from the voice of the Iowa Cubs, Alex Cohen. Mm -hmm. Mervis has 30 home runs this year, 37 doubles, 105 RBIs. I think it might even be more than that because I think he added an RBI later in the game on Sunday. Um, yeah he's just been really good you know we we've talked about it we've talked about the 40 man issue the rule five thing you know Mervis is not eligible for that so that's one reason not to do it and it it seems as though Brendan like they've just decided that you know these this month of of plate appearances however they would come at the major league level just are not their priority in terms of uh dealing with the 40 man and those decisions that they have to make and Kind of forcing their hand, I guess, on some of those issues, but it's definitely something worth keeping an eye on. As you have a left-hander uh, that is just mashing on offense, Mash um, Mervis. Definitely something to to be keeping track of. Uh, how that, you know, we talked about sort of your your confidence level and someone like Christopher Morel and like how that factors in. And you know, if Mervis doesn't get up here and he just maybe uh, has some time with you know in big league camp in. Um, Spring training, uh, you know, and, and whatever he does in the fall, like, you know, what your confidence would be in terms of him being a part of uh, first place platoon or, you know, a ventral. I, I don't know. But these are some pretty serious numbers yeah. that he's putting up of the, on the offensive side of yeah. the ball in the minor leagues i also want to point out just because we've been keeping track of it also on sunday for iowa five innings five hits one run and no earned runs allowed for caleb killian another note from alex cone at voice of cone on twitter that is caleb's seventh start this year with iowa of one or fewer earned runs allowed so All right, good it's been up and down There's definitely been some clunkers in there, but he has also tossed uh, quite a handful of really nice games. So, another in the, uh, you know, where that, where things land in terms of how you feel about them on the year and how you feel about them going into next year, I don't know. Sometimes, Brendan, I'm glad I'm not the one that gets paid to figure this stuff out because it's a little confusing, you know. And to have to, <laughs> if it were my job to be sure of some of this stuff, uh, I don't think I would handle it yeah, very well. Yeah, yeah. You, uh, you think I would get fired? Yeah, I think I would get fired too. Are you kidding me? Wow.
0: No doubt about it. We're destined to do this together, Corey, on this podcast.
1: I think generally over the years we've probably been more correct than incorrect. I think so. We've been wrong, but you're right. We've had some good we successes. Have been wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also, I mean, at the end, you know, I don't know who's complaining, but uh, we would have like a 45-year-old John Lester towing the rubber. Which the I'm
0: fine day. with. I'm totally yeah. fine with that.
1: As long as he wanted to keep doing it and collecting the check, we'd be yeah. running. Yeah. be running yeah. All right, John, day, so. opening
0: day starter 2024. Here we go.
1: <laughs> well, you know, let's not get crazy. Well, That's is dis- this crazy? I, I mean, because it's disrespectful to Shohei Otani. He deserves oh, to start an Don't even day. get me going yeah. on that.
0: Yeah. Oh, man. It's going to be a crazy offseason. All right. I hope. I hope so too, man. All right. Uh, So let's preview this upcoming series against the Cincinnati Reds. So off day Monday, we have a three-game set starting Tuesday at beautiful, historic Wrigley Field. Wayne Miley coming back, Corey, from the injured list. Miley, short season, 1-0, 2.84 ERA. He'll be facing the Reds Dunn, who is 1-2, a 4.63 ERA. That game starts at 6.40, then another 6.40 start time on Wednesday. Cubs still figuring out what to do with their rotation. They have not announced a starter, but Mike Miner for Cincinnati will be pitching that night. He's 3-10, a rough 5.98 ERA. Still, same discussion. No starter announced on Thursday. Stay tuned on that. Cincinnati will be throwing uh, Sessa, who is 3-2 with a 5.18 DRA. That's an afternoon start time to finish off this three-game set of your traditional 120 p.m. variety. So what I'm looking for is Nico breaking out of that slump. I'm looking at Christopher Morell. Maybe we'll get an update on Patrick Wisdom, his timeline of return. I'm thinking with morell where he'll play once Wisdom is back. We've seen a lot of third base recently, but you can imagine Wisdom coming back, taking third base, maybe Morrell going back to center field a little bit more often. Uh, also, Willis Contreras has not played the last few games here, four games in a row. He sat out. How is that ankle doing once he comes back? What does that mean for the DH spot? Maybe Morrell gets time at second base. Maybe Madrigal gets moved to second base and then getting some better outings from some bullpen guys we've seen a lot of multi-inning chances and i don't i know where you kind of stand on that cory this is a discussion for a different day but that's still a point of emphasis by this coaching staff to see who can go multiple innings so that'll be another feature to follow like yeoman and rowan wick and brandon hughes how often they're using those multi-inning sets
1: yeah, and, uh, you know, just generally want to see this team get back to winning some games, right? We know the results aren't super important in the grand scheme of things, uh, but I did I did like that stretch when we were feeling like, okay, this team is kind of yeah. playing better baseball, right? Like, I mean, it feels good. Yeah, and, you know, now they've lost a few series in a row. We're kind of feeling the opposite. Back to um, yeah, back to reality. So just, you know, see things trending in a, a better direction, I think, is, is really just... What you want to see, um, and yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's about what we have for you. So uh, enjoy your off day on Monday. Of course, tune in to Cody, Luke. Uh, it'll be Cody and Luke. You know, with your pre and post game needs this week. Ryan, uh, our guy Ryan Herrera, should be at beautiful historic Wrigley Field, covering the team and answering. Getting all of the answers to the never ending questions that we have about the Chicago yes. Cubs roster. Yeah, that you have, yes. Yeah. Um, and Brendan and I will be back with you after the Cubs finish up this series with the Reds. As always, we appreciate your support for CHGO and the CHGO Cubs podcast. Of course, the best way to do that is by signing up with Points Bet using code CHGO. Thank you again for listening to the CHGO Cubs podcast. And as always, go Cubs.